What happens when you begin to examine where the guilt and the feelings of unworthiness come from? Next on the Ex-Mormon Files. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Ex-Mormon Files. I'm your host, Bishop Earl. I appreciate you spending some time with us. Today we have Amy Erickson, who's been willing to come and share her uh, heartfelt story, and it's just so tender and sweet. And Thank you. Anyway, thanks for coming and sharing. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, as we usually do, where were you born? I was born in California. Were you? Los Angeles. A little California girl. Yes. Huh? How long did you live there? Uh, through high school. Um, moved oh, really? to, I moved to Utah when I was about 17 or 18. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then just kind of got stuck here. Brothers and sisters? <laughs> oh, stuck here. <laughs> yes. I'm actually the oldest of 12 kids. And that oh, is a combination of my, oh. my dad's been married multiple times. So oh, I have uh, some half brothers and sisters, but I am the oldest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Big family. And were you... Uh, they say born in the covenant. I guess you were that. Your parents were active and held temple recommends and all that stuff, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, until my, my parents uh, divorced when I was about eight years old. Oh. And at that time, my dad actually was excommunicated from the church. Oh, okay. And so um, that shook things up with that a little I bit. Bet. But, but okay. we remained active. My, yeah. my mom um, remained active through my years and yeah. he eventually came back yes right? he did and joined and he did and then maybe remarried and, yeah and yeah he's stuff. currently he's active oh okay. yeah but your mom you're saying is my mom recently left the church um about about seven years ago oh okay. yeah was that over doctrine or anything or just um over doctrine over actually some very ex is similar experiences that maybe I had, yeah. but um, but those didn't come into light until okay. later in life. We were com we had no idea that yeah. she was even having those feelings okay. until somewhat recently. So you were young women in young women in primary and uh -huh. all that stuff. You did go to did all the normal all the normal activities, all the the different EF, programs, EF or conferences and all that stuff. Youth conference, maybe. EFY, yeah, all of it. Oh boy, <laughs> did you go to seminary? I did. Exactly. I didn't graduate, but I did yeah. go. Yeah. Just a dutiful little Mormon girl, huh? Yeah. 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 I grew up in a small town where there weren't a lot of Mormons. There was, I was probably one of about 10 in the youth. Oh, so we were just, kind of on our own. And to be a proud Mormon or at least stand up for. Yeah. 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 So what happens at 17? So. Or so. Well, in my teen years, as I mentioned, grew up in a small town and yeah. um, I did start getting into some activities that weren't exactly a good idea, I should say, <laughs> maybe rebellious a little bit here and there. But mm -hmm. um, at 17, I did get pregnant. And, mm. um, and obviously, during the time where I started, you know, I started drinking and, and doing things like that, my parents weren't aware of any of those things going on. And so I started to develop a bit of the guilt cycle that happens knowing at that, at that age. Knowing the commandments, yeah, so Knowing that I wasn't doing the things I was right. supposed to be doing right. and ultimately I ended up with some pretty big consequences for making those choices mm -hmm. so um, but at 17 um, when I found out I was pregnant I was counseled by my bishop and my family to consider adoption and um, I also was disfellowshipped at that time mm -hmm. and was asked to not attend young women's 
Yeah, I find that very fascinating, is that they were afraid your sin would rub off on them or something? Or what's the logic there? I, I don't know the logic, but, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of fear involved in... Not to celebrate the pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine that was the thinking. The young that, girls would draw to you. Yeah, and maybe I, they maybe they were trying to consider my comfort level as well, as, as uh, far as, you know, not being able to participate in certain activities because I was pregnant. But... Yeah. Um, but that started a lot of, you know, real shame, guilt type of feelings for me. And obviously it was a pretty big deal. I was about to give birth. Just not living worthily and all that stuff. Yeah. Plus with the baby. And so yeah. did you feel pressure or did you just, you use the word consider adoption, but were you pressured? Did you feel that? I would say at the time I didn't feel like I was being pressured. I felt like I obviously was terrified and I was young and, yeah. um, and, adoption, while it wasn't the option that I initially wanted, my initial plan was to parent the, the child. Sure. And, um, you know, but my, I had, my mom was a single parent. And so I, I imagine, you know, there was a lot of fear for my future and fear for my family's future with yeah. what that would mean to bring a baby into the house. And, and so um, adoption was definitely presented as an option. And my bishop very strongly counseled me to um, consider adoption also actually even offered to adopt the child himself. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so you do end up Yes, it. at the time at the time I didn't like that, but ultimately I did decide I did decide to um, choose adoption because I was I mean I was repeatedly told that the child would be born into a family that would not have um, that my child wouldn't be sealed to two parents and that you know that I would, I, I would be, yeah. I mean, that was brought definitely brought up, and um, that I would be put in a place where you know I may not ever marry in the temple and stuff because of because of being a single mother, and those are things that were said to me. And um, <laughs> so ultimately, I did I did choose adoption, and I had the baby at seventeen, and selected a, a Mormon family, mm. and. Um, and then after having her, I just kind of went on with life. <laughs> that was 1995, and at that yeah, at that time there wasn't a lot of like counseling or anything offered post right. post adoption for right. for mothers. So the counsel really was just to go back with my life and just move on and um, try to get back to yeah. the place where I where I originated. You okay. know, so um, but at that time my mission was to fix everything fix all the mistakes Eat I had yourself. made, <laughs> prove my worthiness, yeah. get get things right with my family and and you know, do it the way I should have done it. So and you, so So you go back to church? So I did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was during that whole time in my pregnancy, I was still I remained active at church and and the ward family and stuff was very supportive to me. I actually ended up moving to Utah while I was pregnant oh. and gave birth in Utah. Oh, okay. And that was just mostly for just to kind of get away from the pressure at home and stuff, but small community yeah, stuff. So yeah, so I lived with my grandparents, and okay. um, but uh, so I wouldn't say adoption was a mistake by no, any means. That no. that wasn't by any means the you know the crux of my of my but coming I, out of the church. I just or thought it was interesting that they kind of either not put pressure, but kind of explain, well, they're not going to have an eternal life and you're going to have a yeah. tough time and all that. Yeah, and I absolutely. guess those are options and yeah, there and are certainly families that want them, but yeah. So what happens after 
<laughs> so, so I moved to Utah and okay. I um, ended, enrolled in college and started going to school and I ended up getting engaged and got married at 20. Okay. So a couple years later. And, and married in the... Got married in the temple. Timpanogos Temple. Timpanogos Temple, yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, that marriage lasted about three and a half years. I did have a, a son with that husband. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, Was he a return missionary? Um, no, he actually wasn't. He didn't serve a mission, but he was active in the church, mm -hmm. and and you know that was that was all part of the plan, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to get back in the good graces of my family and everything, and sure. do the things that I was supposed to be doing. So kind of backing up for a testimony. What did you? I guess you had a testimony of Joseph Smith and Book of Mormon and prophets, current prophets in the church and all that. I would say I, you know, during my teen years and stuff, I never had a reason to question it. I never thought otherwise like I yeah. I really didn't nothing came up I didn't think that deeply about it no. but but the, the only experiences I really had there there was a Christian church in our community that did not like Mormons really? <laughs> well they they acted like they like th there was a lot of the youth of that church was very prejudicial against the Mormons uh -huh. and so there was a lot of battling going on and uh -huh. so my view of Christian church was Wasn't that best, was huh? not the best yeah. and so but I never, I never had the, any reason to um, question the Mormon doctrine. But I also didn't spend a whole lot of time understanding it fully. I yeah, would say so. Kind of a shallow, yeah, knowledge. Very, just very shallow. Sunday school, primary kind Absolutely. of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, do you become active or stay active then after your temple marriage? So we we divorced about three and a half years later, and mm. at that time, um, I did start to have questions and doubts about the church that were kind of surfacing because you know I, I went through a temple divorce and at that time I was told that I wouldn't be sealed to my son my son would remain remain sealed to my ex-husband really yeah that's how it kind of works and so I went through some gosh that's some anger as and also my my ex-husband I was angry at him and and kind of the way that he that he managed in our marriage and yeah. Um, so I spent some time where I was thinking that I wanted to leave the church. It mm. was a very short period of time yeah. <laughs> because I kind of came to the realization living in Utah as a, I was 23 at the time and had a child that I wasn't going to find a husband that wasn't Mormon, you know, yeah. like I just, <laughs> like that just wasn't my path. It didn't feel like it. And of course I had no desire to like upset my family or anything like that at that Young yeah. at the young age that I did, so any further than you already had. Probably, exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. So, so I ended up meeting my current husband, and um, we got married, and we've been married for almost sixteen years, oh, and we have three you. more children. We did get married in the temple. Oh, which temple was that? That was in the um, Jordan River Temple. Okay. Yeah. And uh, active during this next yeah. few years or yep. many years? Yeah, we've been active up until I left the church about four years ago. So um, just normal, day-to-day, -day, completely Well, what was that normal. little moment in time when things looked a little different for you then to draw you out of the church? So, I, as I mentioned, my mom left the church about yeah. seven years ago. Right. So that at that time, when she kind of dropped that bomb on our family, like because it was a little bit out of nowhere, like we were not expecting it at all. And she was going through like a divorce from um, a subsequent husband and um, things like that. And when she told us that she was going to leave the church, I treated her very badly. Looking back on it, I know that 
my well, reaction. How could she leave the church? My reaction or? was pretty negative to yeah. that, and I was pretty angry at her, and I probably said some regrettable things to her, and but it was all out of fear. You know, yeah. it was all out of the fear of losing my mom and believing that she wouldn't be with us in the celestial kingdom. And Which you've now po- apologized for, right? I have. Yeah, <laughs> okay. absolutely. But I, I that was a rough. That. that was a rough time, and this was also at the same time that my daughter that I placed for adoption, I we were reuniting at that time. She contacted oh, me neat. to be reunited. Were you happy about that? I was very happy about yeah. that, and I am very happy about oh. that. Um, but I will say that her coming back into my life really opened the door for a lot of pent-up grief and shame and emotions that I had buried for yeah. a very long time. The guilt. Not to mention that, that um, other than like my, my close family and my husband, nobody knew about that part of me. and. With her coming back to oh, my life, it really kind of had to be made public sure. that I had a baby when I was 17, yeah. and my children didn't even know. So um, I had a son. I had a, I had a 14-year-old son at the time. So yeah. I had to deal with, you know, explaining all of the logistics with that kind of thing to yeah. my children and all of those things. So, yeah. um, but I, but I'll, but during that time, I I began to really start to go through some serious grief and sadness and depression and and those feelings of unworthiness and shame just really rushed back in and um it it took some time for me to finally start trying to examine like where was that coming from you know yeah i think that was such a fascinating that's why i led with that and the other one we'll get to in a minute but where does that guilt and and unworthiness feelings come from and that you were dealing with that. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, from from the time that, you know, my obviously my pregnancy was something that I had to wear publicly. And so I was forced to deal with a lot of judgment and um, lost friendships and was asked not to be around people because I was pregnant during that time. And as a teenager, that was really hard on me. And so I was very full of shame for that experience. And also knowing that, you know, the choices that I had made had led to me having to decide to give away my baby. Yeah. And that was really hard. Sure. And so dealing with all of that, I realized that there's so much shame culture in the religion that I had been grown up in, that I had grown up in. And that so much of it was related to the way that I believed that God viewed me. And I just, it just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense anymore. It never really did make sense, but I finally was willing to admit that it just didn't make sense. And that I shouldn't have to feel this shame for the rest of my life. So, um, during my years, just, you know, after marrying my second husband, you know, life is just normal day to day. And, but I I had always struggled with um, sitting in a room full of Relief Society women and comparing myself to what seemed to be perfection, where I knew that I had this past. Um, teenage pregnancy, raised in a divorced home, you know, divorced myself, and all of these things that I felt so much shame for, but I just felt like I could never live up to the perfection that I needed to, that I felt, and I just felt like there was something wrong with me, because on one hand, I believed so strongly that the church was true and what they were teaching us about salvation was true, but on the other hand, I could not reconcile that I would ever be good enough to get there. What with terrible, my past. What a terrible feeling. I mean, I, I can yeah. see that would be so, yeah. it would be depressing. Wouldn't yeah. It? yeah. Oh, and I, I've experienced the depression and the anxiety and all of the things that come with that. And so, um, 
I'm sorry, I'm leading the interview here. No, you, <laughs> Do you no, have more you, questions? No, you're doing perfect. <laughs> you're doing wonderful. I was just wondering if, the, if you finally realized maybe that other people have pasts as well. Well, absolutely. And so as <laughs> I they show as I started seeking as I started seeking more help to help kind of heal from my grief with the adoption experience, I started meeting a lot more women who had the very same experiences, obviously with placing a child for adoption, but also in other circumstances where you know, women who were LDS just felt the exact same type type of worthlessness yeah. because of their past and what they were told about you know, their level of worthiness and how they could never go back and erase those sins of their past. And not and, be good enough. And not to, be good enough. Yeah. And and the doctrine of the Mormon church is so confusing in that sense because they want to tell you over and over again that all you have to do is just go and repent to your bishop and, and do this and do that, all of which are somewhat shameful activities. Sure. But, um, and then everything will be fine, but that's not true because no. the next time there's another Temple Recommend interview where you feel like you can't truthfully answer the questions, yet again, you don't feel good enough. And, you're and it's a repetitive you're... cycle yeah. on and on and on and on. Interesting. So. Well, some, so what else happens? I mean, I know one thing, President Hinckley's little announcement, was that part of your transition to? Uh, well, I... I mentioned that in our in the paper because yeah. I, um, I I I will say it. It was around 2000, I think, that President Hinckley gave a conference talk where he mentioned piercings and how women should, you know, um, be modest in their body piercings and things. And at the time, I I only had a single ear hole, but I really wanted a second one. Like I was begging my mom at that time to get a second one, and it upset me a little bit that what I looked like on the outside would affect how people viewed me, but also how God viewed me. Did he love you less? Did he love me had... less because I had piercings? And for something that I personally view as attractive or just, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, that's my own personal opinion. Um, it it kind of hurt me that like, well, does it matter that much what I look like on the outside? It just was very confusing to me. I don't, and so, and that, and that goes into, you know, dress, how you look, if you have tattoos, if you... Um, and the judging that goes along yeah, with that. Yeah, if you decide to wear a dress to church on Sunday or you prefer to wear jeans because you're more comfortable, is that, does that make me more or less worthy than the person I'm sitting next to? Yeah. What None you, of that ever made sense to me. Really? You had more insight than I did. I just played the game and yeah. wore my white little shirt and... Sure. Shirt and tie. And I, I never had a problem wearing a dress to church on Sunday, but yeah. But it, it, but when I, the church I go to now, I look around and there's people that look. I know. There's so much variety, yeah. and I think it's beautiful. I like do too. I love it because I look at everyone in this room and I think none of these people are questioning what God thinks about them. And they want to be there. They want to be there, yeah. and they, they are, they are being who they want to be on the outside but they also know that Jesus loves them. Hopefully they do, because... It's all about what's in your heart, and God loves... Absolutely. What, how, I believe Where that. your heart is, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, um, what's next? <laughs> you. So I made a very conscious decision to just stop going to church. And were you teaching at the time? I was, a, I was a Sunday school teacher for oh, yeah. the 12-year-olds at that time. And... I, I think I finally made that decision because there was a couple of lessons that I had to teach where I, and I wish I could remember what the topic was, but I had a really hard time teaching them. 
felt like you were... I felt like I was teaching stuff that I just didn't believe. And I was teaching by the manual, which they want you to do. Yeah. Um, I had a very hard time doing that. And there was that Sunday I went to the bishop and I just said, I need to be released. I can't do this anymore. And he didn't really ask why. He just said, okay, that's fine. Oh. And I just stopped going. Yeah. My husband was also the Sunday school president at the time. <laughs> so it didn't go unnoticed. Okay. <laughs> so I became the ward project immediately. And... Um, People tried to oh, yeah. bring you People back. People were or... concerned. There was a lot of concern. Did you, did you have a sense of Jesus at this point? Or, I mean, was, your, was it more just, okay, I need to get away from the church? Or I mean, was it theology I just, or doctrine? At that or? time, I just needed to get away. Like, okay. I needed to feel some space so that I could go and figure out what it was that I wanted to believe. I was Googling other churches, oh, like yeah. other religions. I remember very specifically Googling something like, What's sort of similar to Mormonism, but not, <laughs> you know? Just to see what Google would Just say. Just trying to figure out, like, where do I belong? If I don't belong in the Mormon religion, where do I belong? Because yeah. I, I definitely had a belief in God and a higher yeah. power, but I just didn't really understand what the truth was. Okay. I couldn't figure it out. So did so, you start studying more? or? Well, I told my sister, finally, after about two months, that I had, had stopped going to church, and my sister already had fallen away from the church when she was in her teen years and was oh. already going to a Christian church. Oh, was she? Yes. So she was very excited to yeah. hear this news and immediately... To to at least open to looking. Yes. Yeah. She was very excited for me and um, suggested that I start taking a transitions course that was being offered at South Mountain Community Church in oh, Draper. Oh, yeah. Been through that a couple of times. Yes. Very good. Yes. Well, I, I was hesitant at first because I thought, well, you know, I don't necessarily want to go and sit in an anti-Mormon group because, yeah. you know, anti-Mormon sure. is the favorite term. Yeah. <laughs> but I ultimately decided to go and it wasn't easy. My, hus my husband wasn't very happy about it. He's still active. Yeah. He is still active. Yeah. Okay. But he was very confused at that time about kind of where things stood with us. And yeah. so it was a difficult time, but I just needed to, I needed I needed to go and just listen. Mm -hmm. And so I went, I attended the transitions class and I will tell you that was probably the best thing I could have done because oh, at the great. time, what I really, what I really was focusing on when I left the church was so much of the cultural effect and mm -hmm. the, you know, the understandable, the judgment and the outside yeah. that yeah. I could see. I didn't really understand how the doctrine was directly influencing that culture. And good point. going to transitions defined that for me. Mm. They very closely laid out all of the pieces of doctrine that that directly affect the culture in the LDS religion right. of the shame and the judgment and the fear and the feeling of unworthiness and all of those things, and then taught me how they conflict with what the Bible actually says. At that time, I wasn't even considering reading the Bible because well, I thought the I Bible was the it. enemy. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought that's the very source of exactly what I don't want to hear. But, right. but I was so wrong. So <laughs> um, that opened a door for me big time. And so you started studying the Bible? And yep. Take I, from, from that point, that class is like nine weeks long. And I left that class and I just decided I started watching YouTube. Bible studies and started watching all these, uh, looking for pa pastors online and watching their sermons and just absorbing everything I could that wasn't Mormon, <laughs> but that was Christian and trying to slowly peel away the layers of what I had yeah. been taught my whole life versus what was actually truth. Wasn't that amazing to understand grace? I don't know what that little moment was for you, but I'm sure at some point you all of a sudden thought, oh, grace, Absolutely. Jesus is enough. 
<laughs> well, when I finally, someone finally said that to me and I finally decided to believe it, it really was, I mean, it really was a moment that I just can't even describe where I just consciously decided I can let go of all, everything I've been carrying for so long. And I don't have to worry. And be free. Yeah, I don't know. have to carry that with me anymore. And sometimes it creeps back up. I'll, uh, it's not just gone forever. It creeps back up on me occasionally, but it's just such a freeing, yeah, amazing gift. Such a trust and rest in Jesus and what Absolutely. He did for us on the cross. Absolutely. And I, and I am a completely different person. You wouldn't recognize me um, four years ago. Well, I'm proud of you. It's tough. And to carry some of the things that you've had to carry or have carried, and then to, to come to the knowledge that Jesus has been so gracious and done what he did for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. Absolutely. And we don't have to work our way to heaven and all that. Oh, it's that? such a relief. Now, your husband, again, is still active, but I love the one line that you said that you two have come to, that you care more about your marriage than you do who's right. And I like yeah. that. I like it took that. us a while to get there. Yeah. I'll be honest. We, yeah. And I'm sure I mean, there's still an elephant in the room at Absolutely, yeah. there is. And we have three children that, you know, obviously our choices for our religion, what religion we practice will will continue to affect them. Yeah. But um, Has he been willing to talk at all or much about? Yeah, yeah, we do. About, we talk. I mean, it's it gets hard sometimes. Sometimes emotions run high. Sure. and I. But I continue to invite him to... I, I would love for him to sit through a transitions class, although he's not there yet. He's sure. not ready for that. But um, I, I just want him to understand from the perspective of, of, of how I made my choice. Not necessarily that he would agree, but, yeah. but how my experiences led me to really needing this freedom and, yeah. and how I'm in such a much better place. And he, and he acknowledges that. He acknowledges that I, that I am changes. happier, yeah. that I appear to be happier. And, and I think that, that's the value of, of or the, having our spouses see the changes in our lives. Yes, how, yes. How Jesus. You actually wrote this, and I just thought it was so, so well done, and if I may. Simply said, you said that you wrote this to me. Simply said, I live my life free of man-made rules, Choose daily to live my life for Jesus, free of guilt, free of pain and sadness of my past. I love to serve for His glory, not for the praise of man. I love better because I know I'm loved. That's a good feeling, huh? Absolutely. And there's a freedom in that, and yeah, and we understand grace. And I, th I think there's just such a, a wonderful message that you've shared about going through some real difficult times and yet coming out on the other end and yeah 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 well, I'm proud and of you it continues to be a challenge day to day yeah. I, I won't ever be completely free of the mormon church because of my family ties and my background oh sure no, yeah there are days that i wish i was yeah. <laughs> but um but you know i just feel i feel s such a so much more inner strength to be able to face that challenge and so much more confidence in in Christ and the gospel and the simplicity of yeah. of what it is and what it means and to me. And where you're headed. And it just yeah. gives me that confidence to keep moving forward. That's joyful. I meant to ask you earlier on about born again. Did you say you had a, a born again moment or what was that little moment in time that you... You know, I... You just I, feel like a new creature. I really <laughs> will. I really think that it was in that first transitions class that I, I literally decided that I 
am going to believe Jesus when he says really? that it is finished and that there's nothing more that I need to do and that nothing I do going forward is going to make him love me less. That was my literal born again moment. And it was just me sitting in a classroom, like, and it was just in happening in here, but it was a powerful moment for me because I was too. proud of myself for yeah. listening and following that, those promptings and being where I was. Well, Amy, you've got just a few seconds. Anything you want to say to family, friends? I just, I just want to express that the simplicity of the gospel can't be overstated, that it's, it's so much easier than we make it, that Jesus has made it all easier for us, rules. and all the man-made stuff just confuses things, yeah. and that, that the love and the unconditional love of God, our Father, is just the most amazing gift I've ever been given. Wow. No, I'm, I'm thrilled. And I hope that they see that in me. Yeah. And I hope they all come to, to learn that, too. So thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. We'll see you next time on The Ex-Mormon Files. This has been the audio podcast of The Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. The Ex-Mormon Files is produced by Main Street Church of Brigham City. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. Do you have an ex-Mormon story to share? Write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com.